Welcome to The Catholic Perspective, a podcast brought to you by rcspirituality.org. Enjoy the episode. We have spent some time meditating on the seven ordinary gifts of the Holy Spirit and their role in our Christian lives. I like to call them the Christological gifts because God gives them to every Christian in order to help every Christian live more and more as Christ lived to help us grow in holiness. The Bible and our theological tradition also identify other gifts from the Holy Spirit. These are sometimes called the charismatic gifts. They can also be called extraordinary gifts because they are not ordinarily given to every Christian. These gifts include prophecy, speaking in tongues, the discernment of spirits, healing, miracles, and others. I like to call these the ecclesiastical gifts because they are always given for the sake of the building up of the community of believers the church. They do not necessarily help the person who receives them become holy. We have reflected on the seven ordinary Christological gifts one by one. And now in this conference, I would like to take one more step forward and reflect on all of them together. Taken as a whole, the gifts of the Holy Spirit have a very specific purpose in our lives. They make us better able to receive and respond to the inspirations that the Holy Spirit sends us. The Christian journey is the exact opposite of the self-help journey. Christians don't make themselves perfect through their own efforts. No, the Christian life is a life in which God himself is the main protagonist. He is our Savior and our Redeemer and our Sanctifier. He is the one who makes the difference and enables us to make spiritual progress. Certainly, he doesn't violate our freedom in order to do that. He doesn't force us into holiness. Rather, he makes us his partner. But it is a supernatural work, and so he is the senior partner, and we are the junior partners. This is made clear throughout the Old and New Testaments and in the lives of all the saints. As Jesus told his apostles during the Last Supper, It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain. God took the initiative to create us and to redeem us, And he is the one, as St. Paul puts it, who, for his good purpose, works in you both to desire and to work. Jesus put it another way when he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit, because without me you can do nothing. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, in a sense, are the life of God himself at work within us, just as the life of the vine is at work in the branches. Our job in this great Christian adventure is really just to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, to go where he leads us, to say yes to what he asks of us, to let him mold us in accordance with God's original dream for our lives. It kind of takes the pressure off, doesn't it? It should. God doesn't pressure us to follow him. He loves us into following him, and he wants his love to stir up our love. That's the Holy Spirit's job. There are many things we can do to cooperate effectively with the Holy Spirit in our Christian journey, to stay open and docile to his inspirations. In this conference, I only want to talk briefly about four of them. Feeding Holy Desires First, we need to feed holy desires. Jesus taught us that where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. We know what we treasure by looking at what we desire, at what we are always thinking about and talking about. 
It's no coincidence that the first question Jesus asks in the Gospel of John is, What are you looking for? We know what we should desire. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all the virtues of the saints, all the holiness that God wants us to have. But how often do we really think about those things? How often do we daydream about them? Much of our spiritual growth will depend on the intensity of our desire for spiritual things. But because of our fallen nature, those desires won't grow if we don't feed them. In the Bible, a common symbol of the Holy Spirit is fire. And to keep a fire burning, you have to keep adding fuel. And you have to protect it from the rain. Spiritually, we need to do the same thing. We can add fuel by reading solid spiritual books, especially by studying the Bible and the lives of the saints. This is called spiritual reading. And we can protect our inner spiritual desires by being temperate in our consumption of popular culture. Romance novels, TV, movies, advertisements, web surfing, social networking. In past ages, popular culture was in harmony with Christianity, but not anymore. And so if we are careless and overindulgent in our consumption of it, we can douse the flames of divine love and drain our holy desires. If we make deepening our relationship with God into our true treasure, our dominant desire, our hearts will be daily plunged into the fire of the Holy Spirit's love and gradually transformed into the image of Christ's own sacred heart. Asking for the Gifts Feeding holy desires is the first thing we can do to cooperate with the Holy Spirit's action in our lives. Asking for his gifts is the second thing. Jesus talked a lot about this. For example, in the famous Sermon on the Mount, he said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Another example. The Our Father, the prayer that Jesus taught us, includes seven different petitions. My favorite example is from the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus almost begs us to ask continually for an outpouring of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He says, What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish, or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We can ask for the gifts individually when we feel a real need for them. For instance, when holiday time rolls around and we know we're going to have to deal with some relatives that we don't really get along with very well, we can ask specifically for an increase in the gift of piety so that the Holy Spirit can help us see our relatives as God does and have a true supernatural affection for them. We can also ask for the gifts in general when we are in between errands or before falling asleep or when waiting in line. The more we ask for the gifts, both for ourselves and for the whole church, the more channels of grace we open up. A beautiful prayer to use for this purpose is the gospel acclamation that the church uses on the Feast of Pentecost. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Obedience in the Obvious Things
The third thing we can do to keep ourselves in tune with the Holy Spirit is to practice heartfelt obedience in the obvious things. Even though obedience is looked down upon in today's popular culture, for Christians, it is a virtue, a good thing. After all, it was disobedience that brought sin and evil into the world. Jesus himself worked the redemption through heroic obedience to the Father's will. As St. Paul put it, Jesus humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. When we freely obey God's will in our lives, we express our love for God, our faith in him, and we give him a chance to lead us down the path of true spiritual maturity. But sometimes we are looking for dramatic paths of obedience, extraordinary and amazing feats of holiness, when God is actually asking us to be obedient in the simple and the obvious things. If we focus on the obvious things, then we will create the habit of obeying God's voice, and we will prepare ourselves for bigger things. Jesus make, made this Jesus made this point explicitly. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones, and the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. Most of the time, we don't need special inspirations from the Holy Spirit to know what God wants us to do. On a day-to-day -day basis, he expresses his will to us through the commandments of the Bible, the teachings of the church, and the normal responsibilities and duties that all of us have. If we faithfully obey him in those obvious things, we will be ready to receive special inspirations and special projects from the Holy Spirit. God had big plans for St. Francis of Assisi, but it all started when Jesus told him in prayer to rebuild my church. St. Francis took the inspiration literally, and he started to fix the crumbling rock walls of the chapel where he was praying. That wasn't exactly what the Lord had in mind, but Francis' spirit of obedience was all God needed in order to make his bigger plans eventually come true. Accepting Invitations If we feed holy desires every day, and if we ask for the gifts of the Holy Spirit sincerely and constantly, and if we obey God in the obvious things, then we will find ourselves living more and more in the Holy Spirit. We will be on His wavelength, so to speak. And when we get to that point, the Holy Spirit can really roll up His sleeves and get to work. He will invite us to say things or to do things that we wouldn't have thought of on our own. These invitations, or inspirations, usually come in little ways at first. And if we welcome them and accept them, then they become bigger and bigger. And if we welcome and accept the bigger ones, we can become junior partners in truly wonderful works of God's transforming love. The trick is to accept these invitations, even when they make us a little bit uncomfortable or when they involve taking a bit of a risk. In those uncomfortable and risky situations, the gifts of the Holy Spirit help us make the generous decision. It is not always easy to know if an idea comes from the Holy Spirit, or if it comes from our own head, or if it comes from the evil spirit, who is a very good deceiver. The best way to learn to discern is through experience. When we say yes to God's inspirations, even if we feel a bit of resistance in our human nature at first, we are usually filled with peace and interior joy afterwards. 
And so gradually, we learn to distinguish God's quiet invitations from the rather noisier invitations of our selfishness as we experience the results of following them. But as we gain this experience, there are a few rules of thumb that can be helpful to keep in mind. First, the Holy Spirit will never contradict himself. For example, he will never inspire us to disobey the Ten Commandments or to reject the moral teaching of the church, or to irresponsibly abandon the normal responsibilities of our lives. His extraordinary inspirations will never be contrary to his ordinary guidance. Second, the Holy Spirit is gentle but persistent. This is why it's sometimes wise to wait and pray for light if we are unsure whether an inspiration comes from God. If it is from him, he will keep nudging us, keep insisting. But if it's just a whim or a temptation, it will come and go. Third, these inspirations will always move us to acts of love, love for God and for our neighbor. On Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles in what appeared to be tongues of fire. The fire is a symbol of the power and the love of God. And the shape of a tongue is a symbol of how God always wants us to communicate that love, to spread it, not just to keep it all for ourselves. Fourth, the Holy Spirit is very, very respectful. He will never force us. As a result, his inspirations are usually more like whispers in the quiet of our hearts rather than violent and thunderous commands. One of the biblical images used to describe the Holy Spirit is the dove, precisely because doves are so gentle and quiet. This is a common characteristic of God's spiritual invitations, respectful, calm, loving. This is why we have to learn to be good listeners if we want to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. Those are some helpful rules of thumb to aid in our discernment of invitations that come from God. But the most important thing is to want to obey God's plan in our lives, to want to be a faithful partner in building up His eternal kingdom. With that holy desire burning in our hearts, the Holy Spirit will be able to work wonders. Smooth Sailing Conclusion and Personal Questionnaire Church tradition uses a beautiful image to describe the difference between someone who is living their Christian journey leaning only on their human efforts and someone else who is living their Christian journey in docility to the Holy Spirit and to his gifts and inspirations. The first person, a virtuous person, is like someone on the sea in a rowboat. He rows hard, sweating and straining, and he makes progress across the water towards his goal, but the progress is slow and requires immense effort. The second person, the one who has surrendered to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, is like someone crossing the sea in a sailboat. He still has to man the rudder and tug at the sails, but it is the wind that carries the boat forward much more swiftly and easily than if he were simply rowing. In this analogy, the sail is like the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the wind is like the Holy Spirit's inspirations. If we feed our holy desires, ask for the seven gifts, obey in the obvious things, and accept his invitations, we will all gradually learn to move ahead with the power and the grace of a boat in full sail. Take some time now to reflect on the ten items in the personal questionnaire, going at your own pace, and even talking to God about them as you reflect. They may help you to discover new ways to plug your daily life 
into the transforming power of Pentecost. You have been listening to The Catholic Perspective, a resource from rcspirituality.org. Please visit our website and check out more great resources to help you pray, learn, grow, and go. Please join our team of digital missionaries by subscribing at rcspirituality.org. Thank you.